hands unto the Lord. Worship Him. Worship Him in the lifting up of your hands. Worship Him in the lifting up of your voice. Worship Him in the lifting up of your praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Anybody thankful you were on the wake-up list this morning? Anybody thankful for another chance to worship, uh, another chance to praise, uh, another chance to lift up your voice and give God the glory? Give honor to this church. Give honor to Brother Bradford. Just want to be obedient to what the Lord has put on my heart for tonight. Don't want to take too much time. I'm only going to preach for about five minutes, but it's going to take me about 25 minutes to get to that point. Somebody said amen. Hebrews 4 and 12 said that the word of God is quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. It's not like one of those old dull butter knives, but it's sharp. It says it divides the center of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. It is the center of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. I want the word of God to be quick and powerful tonight. I believe that God has something very special for us in his house. Let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter number one. Begin reading at verse number one. Thankful for the church. Thankful for the ministry. Thankful for the saints of God. Psalms, chapter one, verse one says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He shall be like a tree. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. He ran therefore and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I will abide at thy house. Psalms 1 and 3 said, he shall be like a tree. Luke 19 and 4 said he ran and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Tonight, for a few moments, I want to preach on this subject. Thank you for the tree. Thank you for the tree. If you would put your Bibles down, let's lift our hand toward the Lord one more time and ask him to be our help. God, we need you tonight more than we need anything else. God, we need your leading. We need your directing. God, we need your anointing. We need your power. Said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. 
Tonight we need the Spirit of God to speak into our hearts. We need the Spirit of God to speak into every situation. We don't just need a good word, but we need a good move of God and His Spirit. We don't just need a pretty sermon, but we need a move of the Holy Ghost that would take over and remake and rebuild and remold and reshape and touch us all over again. Is there anybody today that wants a move of God's Spirit? Is there anybody today that wants the power of the Lord to fall on you? God bless you. you may be seated. There was an NFL coach before one game years ago. Every analyst looked at the game and said that they were totally outmatched. They looked at the wide receivers and said, your wide receivers are just not fast enough. They looked at the offensive line and said, they're just not strong enough. They looked at the defensive line and said, they're just not strong enough. They looked at everything about this team and said that they were totally unmatched. And they went to the coach before the game in a pregame interview and they asked him, they said, going into this game, everybody has counted you out. Everybody hasn't given you a chance. Everybody says that you're outmatched at every point. Every scenario comes out with you being the loser. They said, what is it that you are telling your players as you go into this game? I don't want to give glory to the sports world tonight, but I found some inspiration in what he told his players. He said, when I talk to my players, I tell them that there's a game coming that's going to be the greatest game ever played. He said, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know the day. I don't know what teams are going to play each other, but I just feel that there's going to be a game played that will be called the greatest game ever played. And when we step into the arena, tonight and we strap up our cleats and we get out on that field I have told my players you better play with all your heart because this may be the game that they say is the greatest game ever played but I didn't come to talk to you about a football and I didn't come to talk to you about a game but I've come to talk to the saints of God about a revival that's coming that's going to be the greatest revival we've ever seen in the history of the world. Come on somebody. It was prophesied in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. There's a revival coming and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. There's a revival coming. There's power that's coming to the church. There's deliverance that's coming to the people that pray. There's there's deliverance that's coming to the people that fast. There's deliverance that's coming to the people that have been faithful to the house of God. There's a revival that's coming. And more important than that, than the revival that's coming is I want to be a part of it. And you need to be a part of it. I want to be in the middle of whatever God is doing in this season, in these last days. I want to be a vessel that God can use. Come on, somebody, praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Oh, do you have passion to believe that this service could be the greatest service that you've ever been a part of? 
Did you come tonight expecting something from the Lord? Did you come tonight believing to see somebody healed, to see somebody delivered, to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost? I wonder if you would praise the Lord like you came expecting something. Let me tell you something. When you go get so excited, sometimes you just got to let out that excitement. What do we do with the excitement we feel about the revival that's coming? We let it out with our praise and our worship. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm praising God for the revival that's coming. You may be seated. Revival is here in these last days. I believe that God is going to fulfill promises. There are some elders that prayed their whole life and never quite saw the revival they'd hoped they'd see. But I'm telling you, this is the generation that's going to see revival. This is the generation. He said that you shall take up serpents and they shall not harm you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on. You shall lay hands on those that are filled with demons. And the demons will flee because of the power that God has given to his church. There's revival that's coming. If we can believe it. If we can have faith for it. And revival is not just all the hype and the excitement. You know how you spell revival? You spell revival W-O-R-K. Revival takes work. Revival takes sacrifice. Revival takes prayer. Revival takes commitment. Revival doesn't just happen. But revival is intentional. Revival is not random. But revival is something that comes forth when the people of God get together in a concerted effort. And they join together in praise and in worship and in commitment and consecration. Revival can happen when we all get together. But revival is always going to include work. I wonder, do you still have a passion to work in the kingdom of God? We shout and we praise when we hear about the greatest revival that's ever coming. But do we realize the greatest revival is going to require some great sacrifice? I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm just telling you that it comes with a price. The price is consecration and obedience faithfulness, commitment. You build churches on those things. You don't just build churches on inspiration. You don't just build churches on bike giveaways, candy rains, food giveaways. Those things are good, but you don't build a church on those things. You built your church upon the rock of God's truth. You build your church upon the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. You build your church when Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can build a church on Acts 2.38. 
You can build a church on repentance. You can build a church on prayer. You can build a church on the foundations given to us in the doctrine. Said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You can have revival when you work and when you stay committed to the doctrine. You don't have to compromise to have revival. You don't need to lower the bar to have revival. You just need to increase the intensity. You need to increase the commitment. Come on. You think there's nobody that wants to live for God? How many people have you invited before you start saying that? But it takes work. But you know what I notice? Is that people sometimes give up because something didn't work the first couple of times they tried it. I've worked with people in their business and try to give them ideas and to be creative. And they say, I just don't think that'll ever work. I say, well, it worked for this person. Well, it just won't work for me. I'm just not that way. Or they try something one time and it's not an immediate result that comes back to them and they never do it again. Revival is through consistency. If you don't put forth a consistent effort, you will never get a consistent result. If you don't pray consistently, don't expect to have prayers answered consistently. If you don't give consistently, don't expect to be blessed consistently. I'm not trying to preach condemnation. I'm just telling you, you just shouted and said you wanted revival. Revival is going to come when we work consistently. Not only is it that we work consistently and we work in proper alignment with the word of God, but we've got to work passionately. Life is so boring without passion. Whatever you do, you ought to do it with passion. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Somebody said that everybody's got two lives on this earth. They've got one life that they're born with, and then the second life begins when they realize they only had one life to start with, and that's all they're ever going to get. You begin to realize that time is limited, and time is short, and if you're going to do something for God, you've got to start right now. You can't say, well, next week things will get better, and next year things will get better, and when my finances get in order, then I'll commit, then I'll sacrifice, then I'll get faithful. But I'll tell you, you've got to step out sometimes like Peter in the middle of the storm that the, turn, the boat was turning, and it was tipsy and turvy. Jesus called him forth, and it was such an inconvenient time, and it was a time that he really wasn't comfortable with. But he said, if the voice of God is calling me forth, it may be inconvenient. I may not be sure about it but I'm going to step forward even when I wouldn't like to do it even when it's not my choice even when it's not really what I want to do I understand that I'm going to have to sacrifice if I'm going to see the revival that God has promised me it's going to take your all Deuteronomy 6 and 5 and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might 2 Samuel 6, 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. John 2 and 7, when Jesus went to the marriage, there was somebody that said, Jesus, 
they're out of wine. He says to them in verse 7 of John chapter 2, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. They filled them up as much as they could be filled. They said, Jesus, I'm giving you the greatest opportunity for this miracle. I'm giving you the greatest amount of effort that I can give you. I wonder what God would do with some of your lives if you would fill your availability up to the brim. And you could say, God, I'm not going to be half available. God, I'm not going to be 75% available. But God, fill me up to the brim so that I can see the miracle that you have in store. I'm going somewhere this evening. Give God your all. Give God your all. Young person, commit to praying every single day. Young person, commit to fasting once a week. Commit to giving. Commit to faithfulness. Commit to doing things. Because you only have one life to live, and I want to live a life that's poured out. I want to live a life that says, Jesus, I'm filling myself up to the brim. Revival is work. Revival is not easy. And revival may not always be what you feel like. Revival may not always be. It's kind of like a marriage. You see two people that have been married for a long time, and you just think, wow, they must have really loved each other over all these years, and they must have just woke up every day, and and that feeling was still there, and, and that butterfly feeling was still there. But when you see two people that have been married and committed for a long time, it was because they decided to never give up, even when times got hard, even when times got difficult, even when there was more bills than there was money, even when there was more problems than they had answers. You see people that stuck it out, it was because they decided to never give up. If we're going to have revival, it's going to be because we've committed ourselves to the things of God. Even when the times get tough and even when the rain comes down and floods the fields and, and everything dries up and everything freezes over and all the different seasons of life, we committed ourselves and we never gave up. And there's a church here today because of people that stuck it out and said, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this, but God, I failed too many times. I can't really get back to where I really need to be. It was Peter, a man called of God. His first name was Simon, but Jesus changed his name to Peter, and Peter was the one that was excited, and he was fired up, and he was ready for anything. He was the one that cut somebody's ear off when they tried to take Jesus away. But in the middle of all that, when he was taken Peter ran and fled and hid, denied the Lord three times and felt like such a failure and felt like he had made such a great mistake that he would never get back to what God wanted him to do. We make failures and we make mistakes and we do things wrong and we, we mess things up and we, we blow things up in our own faces sometimes and we, we, we deny the Lord sometimes and we don't give him the proper honor and the proper respect and the proper time and we forget the Lord sometimes. But when Peter, in the middle of his failure, ran out from where he was, He wanted to go back and look for the Lord. You know where he found him. He said, I've got to get back to that place where I first met him initially. 
I got to get back to that place on the water where Jesus met me after I fished all night and caught nothing. I've got to get back to that place when I first started in the Lord. And when he got back to that initial relationship, he got back to that initial mindset. It said that the Lord came walking out all over again. I don't know what failures we've fallen into. I don't know what mistakes we've made. But I'll tell you, you can restart. You can get right with God. You can get back on your feet. And he got back on his feet. And he was the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. The very first message of the New Testament church. Why? Because God is in the forgiving business. You may have lost your passion because of failures and because of mistakes. But it's time to get back up and get your passion back. Come on. Get your swagger back. Get your anointing back. Get your ministry back. Get your calling back. The gifts and the calling of God is without repentance. You need to get back up and get back in the race and do what God has called you to do. I failed God too many times. Or maybe my life has been so difficult lately, it's just hard to see how God can use me in the middle of it all. Psalms 137 and 1, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they carried us away captive, and they required of us a song. And they that wasted us required required of us mirth, saying, Sing unto us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They got taken away from everything they knew. They got taken away from their homeland. They got displaced somewhere else. And in the middle of not being where they wanted to be, they lost the vision of who God was and his power. And they said, we can't even sing those songs of praise and victory anymore because of where we're at. Come on, somebody, right now, you may not be working where you really want to work. You may not be doing what you really want to do. You may not be right where you hope to be at this point. But I'll tell you where you're at shouldn't change your praise. What you're dealing with shouldn't take away your song. God is good no matter where I'm at. God is good no matter what I'm going through. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on, you said, I I wish I could be somewhere else. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can decide, I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be, even when I'm not where I want to be. When Paul and Silas were in the inner prison, and they were tied down and shackled, and they were so locked away that nobody could get to where they were. When midnight came, they lifted up their voice, and they sang praises unto God. With their backs up against the wall, with their arms and their legs chained to the wall, they said, you tried to stop me from doing a lot of things but you'll never stop this worship you'll never stop this praise come on your praise shouldn't die out in the middle of the prison your praise shouldn't die out in the middle of bad times in the middle of rough seasons you better lift your voice and say God you're still good in the middle of it all in the middle of what I'm going through I've still got to praise and worship the Lord Too many times we're waiting on everything to get better before we'll get back into praise and worship. Sit back, cross our arms, withhold our praise because we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. We're sitting back waiting on God to move. He's waiting on us to move. 
We're waiting saying, God, if things would work out, I'd get involved again. God, if these things would work out, I'd really give you my all again. I'll tell you, give your all anyways. Worship the Lord anyways. Whether it gets better, whether it gets worse, it doesn't matter. My focus is on God, and he never changes. He's always the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm committed to him. I'm not giving up on him in sickness and in health. Come on, somebody. No matter what I go through, I'm committed to the Lord. I'm committed to the Lord. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah was called by God in the middle of great wickedness to do something that nobody had ever seen done before. Hebrews eleven seven 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah received something that I don't know if anybody else heard it. I don't know if anybody else understood it, but he called him to build something that would save his family. Called him to build something for the future of the world. Called him to do something when nobody else heard it. Nobody else had ever seen it. It had never rained before, but he knew what he heard from God. His faith was not always shown, not just shown in how he believed, but it was how he acted upon his beliefs. He put his faith in action. But I can only imagine as the process came about of work, of what it took to build that ark, it wasn't easy. There were some long days of working and looking up and wondering if God really got it right. There were some times of trying to do what God wanted him to do. And not sure how it would all unfold. Not sure how it would all happen. And obviously there was nobody else that listened to him because nobody else got on the ark except for his family. So what is my point tonight? Is that God calls us sometimes to do some things and to make some sacrifices and do things that other people won't understand and to work for him in ways that nobody else has ever seen done before. And in the middle of the work, we can become discouraged. In the middle of the sacrifice, we can wonder if it's ever going to be worth it. In the middle of our faithfulness to God, we can wonder, is the things that God spoke over my life ever going to come to pass? Am I working for what God said is going to happen or am I working for nothing? Thing to happen. I know God spoke to me. I know God sent me forth to do some things. But in the middle of the working season, there's times of discouragement and there's times of wondering if you're really doing what you should be doing. Wondering, am I wasting my time? Am I wasting my efforts? Am I wasting my sacrifice trying to build something that others don't understand? Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In the ancient world, this word translated as faint was used for the kind of fear and weariness that a woman would experience during labor before the delivery. 
It describes a time when they've carried something for many months now. And they're getting to that point where everything is hard and it's painful. And it's unfinished and they haven't seen the reward of it yet. And they say it's easy to faint when we feel like that. But that is exactly when we must hang on and not grow weary. The church has some promises within it. The church has a revival that's going to come forth. But while we're holding the promises of God and we're holding the anointing of God and we're holding everything that God has put on us, sometimes we don't know if it's ever going to come to pass. Sometimes we don't know if anything's moved lately. We don't even know if there's anything kicking down there and we're worried and we're discouraged. But I'll tell you, if we grow not weary and well-doing, we're going to reap everything that we've sown. We're going to see every promise that we've been believing God for. We're going to see every victory that we've prepared for. We're going to see every miracle that we've prayed for. If we faint not in due season, we're going to reap everything that we've sown. Let's worship the Lord for a few seconds right now. Oh, God, there's some people that have been working. There's some people that have been faithful. There's some people that have continued doing what you've told them to do. They've walked in the calling. They've walked in the anointing. They've walked in faithfulness. They've walked in sacrifice. They've walked in consistency. And they're wondering tonight, where is the reward? Where is the answer? Where is the promise? Tonight, God wants to tell somebody, hold on. The promise is on the way. The answer's on the way. The miracle's on the way. The reward of your faithfulness is on the way there is a plant known as the Chinese bamboo tree and like any plant this tree requires proper nurturing to grow it requires water soil and sunshine but yet in the first year there are no visible signs of activity or development watering this tree every day making sure that the weeds are out of it making sure that it's got sunlight, making sure that the soil is good. And after the first year, there's no signs of developments. Second year, again, no growth that comes up above the soil. Third and fourth year, still no signs. And in the times of not seeing any results, patience is tested, and we begin to wonder if our efforts will ever be rewarded. Some of us have been praying for the same thing again and again and again and again, and we wonder if it's ever going to happen. You know what Jesus said? He said, whoever asketh shall receive. Whoever seeketh shall find. Whoever knocketh, it shall be opened unto them. And we read that, and we may think, well, that just means that we've got to ask once, and we've got to seek once, and we knock once, and if it doesn't happen, we'll just stand back and say, well, I guess that wasn't the will of God for that to unfold. But do you know when Jesus gave those words, asketh, seeketh, and knocketh, that he was indicating not just a one-time event, but he was indicating a continual action that was made. In other words, you don't just ask once and seek once and knock once, but you step forward and you ask again you step forward and you seek again you step forward and you knock again and you say God I'm not giving up I'm not giving in I'm not giving out I may be in the middle of weariness I may be in the middle of confusion I may be in the middle of wondering if it's ever going to work out but I'm not giving up finally in the fifth year the Chinese bamboo tree grows 80 feet in just six weeks so the question is, 
Did this tree really grow 80 feet in six weeks? Or was there a little tree that was growing underground that was developing a root system, that was developing a foundation? That was developing some things and a stable base strong enough to support its potential for outward growth in the fifth year and beyond the fifth year. We wait for things to happen and sometimes they never happen. But we need to stay faithful to the work and the calling of God even when we don't see results immediately. I don't know what you're going through, but I know in a moment everything can change. In one phone call, everything can change. In one day, everything can change, and God can turn it around. God can work it out. If that tree was messed with because people didn't think it would ever grow, if they opened up the ground and said, hold on, is this thing still growing? They would have disrupted the pattern that God put in place for that tree to grow. I know you're watering some things, and you haven't seen results yet I know you've sacrificed and you haven't seen the blessing yet you've done some things and you wonder where the reward is coming let me tell you something stay faithful stay committed stay consistent come on stay prayed up stay on fire for God stay faithful to the house of God stay faithful in giving stay faithful in ministry stay faithful in everything that you do love the Lord thy God with all thy heart You may be seated. We're watering things. We're waiting. We're praying. First Corinthians chapter 3, 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. God gives the increase. We don't need to worry about the results. We just need to worry about our faithfulness. We trust God with the results. Not only do we work through the hard times, and we work through difficulties, we work through confusion, we work through failures and mistakes, but sometimes working for the Lord means that we're working in the background without any recognition. Revival is carried on the backs of a lot of names that we may never hear. People that may never preach at conference. People that may never end up on Holy Ghost Radio. There's churches that are in place today, including this church, because of people that just decided to be faithful, even without recognition, even without a title, even without a position. They just said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to be there every time the doors are open, and we're going to sacrifice, we're going to give, we're going to volunteer, we're going to do whatever needs to be done, because we want to be a part of the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. It says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, and he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom. Verse 2, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Listen to this. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, 
Let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. God opened up the door for the children of Israel to come out of captivity and go and rebuild the house of the Lord. But they all weren't going. There was just a remnant of God's people that would go to rebuild this. But you know what? There's some people on the front lines in the army that are fighting the battles and they're holding the weapons and they're defending the country and they get all the honor and they get all the medals and they get all the recognition. But did you know that the front lines are nothing without the supply lines? Behind the scenes of those people that were going forth to rebuild some things were some people that stood back without recognition, without titles, that said, as you go forth, just know there's somebody behind you that will support you. There's someone behind you that will be with you. There's somebody behind you that will make sure you make it. There's a lot of frontline ministry in this church. There's singers that sing every service. There's musicians that play every service. There's ushers that take care of the offering and take care of people walking in and out every service. There's ministry that's on the platform every service. And we preach and we exhort and we testify. But did you know behind the front lines of the people we see in the ministry that is visible, there are some people behind the scenes that are feeding the supply lines for revival. There's people here that clean the church when nobody else is here there's people here that make sure there's toilet paper in the bathrooms when nobody else is here what are they doing you may never see it they may never preach a conference but they are important to the kingdom of God and their faithfulness will be rewarded behind the front lines there's people standing on the support line there's people here that have built things for the church without charging anything. There's people here that have done amazing things for the church and never asked for anything in return. We build churches on people like that. It's not all just about the preacher behind the pulpit, but when we all get together, when the front lines connect with the supply lines, <laughs> there's a revival that can take place. Some of you have never went to foreign soil, but the money you've given went to foreign soil and built churches. There's some of you that never been to foreign soil, but your money went forth to purchase motorcycles that are helping pastors get from one place to the next. You say, I don't know if I'll ever be a missionary. I'm just maybe called to be what I am right now. You may not ever be on the front lines, but sometimes there's people that just need to be on the supply lines, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for people that use their business as ministry. I'm thankful for people that give to the kingdom of God. There's people on the supply lines that are making revival happen. We've got buildings. We've got property. We've got nice things because of the supply lines. When I was growing up, you know how I went to conferences and camp meetings? Because there were some people on the supply lines that said, hey, if Bryce doesn't have any way to get to camp, I'll sponsor him to go. Come on. You know who took me out to eat after church? There's a lot of you. I probably couldn't even name you all. But there were some people that said, you know what? I, I may not be the Bible study guy. I may not be everything that the Brother Bradford is or so-and-so is. I, I may just be a supply line. I'll take somebody out to eat. I'll encourage somebody in the Lord. I'll go play golf with somebody. I'll go play basketball with somebody. I'll go to the gym with somebody. I will find a way somehow, some way to support the work of God. You may never stand behind the pulpit, but you've got a ministry that will bring about revival. 
Come on, we need faithful people that know how to sacrifice, that know how to give, that know how to give to the revival that God wants to bring. I'm thankful for the supply lines of revival. Malachi 3 and 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Listen to this, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know what God's financial plan is? It's not to invest in Bitcoin, not to invest in GameStop, but it says, you know what you should do? You should give to the house of God. You should support the ministry. You should support the work of God. And prove me, if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Some of you have told me that you were in debt and you gave to God. And God got you out of debt. The more you gave, the more God pulled you out. There's some people here that have been blessed through the things that they gave. Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God will always return what we give back to us as a blessing. There was one woman we can read about. When Elijah went from Sherith and he went to Zarephath, he went to Zarephath and there was this little widow woman. She said, all I've got is a few sticks. All I've got is a few things. I'm going to rub them together. I'm going to make a fire. I've got a little cruise, a little oil. I've got a little bit of something to make a cake. I'm down to my very last dollar. I'm down to my very last dime. And the man of God stepped up in the middle of what looked like the end of the road. And he said, would you just make me first a little bit of bread? Would you make me first a little bit of something? I don't know who I'm talking to, but you may feel like there's no way out of your financial situation. But when that woman stepped up and she made something for the man of God, because the word of God commanded her to it said for the rest of her days that the cruise of oil didn't fail and she never ran out of anything you give to God and you will have plenty you give to God and you will be blessed you give to God he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you Luke 6 and 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that ye meet with all shall it be measured to you again. The more you give, the more you open yourself up to receive. I don't want to limit God. God, here's my water pot, and it's full. Working behind the scenes. Working without a position, working without a title, talking about revival, talking about what it takes to see things happen around the house of God. If I asked most people today, I would say 99%, who wrote the book of Romans? I almost guarantee you without fail, everyone would say the Apostle Paul. There may be a few Bible trivia experts. But when I read in Romans 16 and 22... It says, I, Tertullius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. I understand it was Paul's writing. I understand that it was Paul dictating to someone else. But do you realize the reason we have that letter in print today is because there was someone behind the scenes that was working alongside of a man of God. Today we have Romans 6 and 4. Today we have all the great verses in the book of Romans because there was somebody behind the scenes that said, Paul, whatever you need help with, I'm willing to help you. 
We never talk about Tertullius. I've never heard him preach. I've never heard him mentioned. I've never seen him anywhere. But I'll tell you something. He was faithful to whatever God called him to do. And today we have words that give us hope and words that help us because there was someone behind the scenes that was willing to do the work that nobody else could see. I may not be the leader. I may not be the one out in front. I may not be the one that gets all the credit. I may not be the one that gets all the honor. But God, thank you for giving me a place just to serve and to help and to be faithful and to push forward the revival that you want to bring. You can come to the music tonight. I'm almost finished. Let's worship the Lord for a few moments. God, we're a people that are hungry for revival. We're a people that want to see the miraculous. We're a people that want to see souls added to the kingdom. We want to see Sunday school children filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We want to see drug addicts come up off the streets and find a newness of life. We want to see people delivered. We want to see captives set free. We want to see the power of the Lord. God, if I'm just a supply line, if I'm just a Tertullius, if I'm just a nobody, I'll be a nobody. I would rather dwell in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. Acts chapter 1 and verse 23. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, knowest the hearts of all men. Show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Judas was the twelfth disciple, but Judas went and hung himself. Judas betrayed the Lord and took his own life. And in the, books, in the book of Acts chapter 1, they're looking at the team and they said, you know, we really need to replace Judas's position with somebody else. There's somebody else that needs to fill this role. There's somebody else that needs to take over this, this role that Judas had. And as they bring two men forward, there was one named Matthias and there was one named Justice Barsabas. And he was called Joseph. And as the opportunity came forward, they voted on it. And only Matthias got in. I don't know everybody that was there in the book of Acts, but I can imagine if their wives were there, if their families were there, if their children were there. And they said, Oh, Dad, our dad, Justice, he's going to be one of the 12 disciples. Oh, they're going to vote on it. Oh, what an exciting opportunity for someone to fill that role. What an exciting opportunity to be on the front line of the ministry, to be one of those that would be remembered throughout all eternity. Oh, to have my name on the billboard that says, coming soon, the 12 disciples to a city near you, and to have my face on there. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been awesome. I would love to be included in that. But as it came forth and the position was open, it was filled by Matthias and justice was left out because there could have only been one. And I've seen people that have gotten bitter and gotten hurt and turned away because of positions that they didn't get. Positions that never worked out for them. Titles and status that didn't work out for them. 
and they walked away. But in my Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together with one accord and they were in one place. Justice could have left. Justice could have said, oh, I'm starting the first church of justice. I'm going to split this group. I'm going to go somewhere else because you don't value me and you don't think I'm important enough. You chose Matthias. Okay. I'm out of here. He could have grown bitter and gotten away from what he was supposed to be. But you know what he said? I just want to be there for Pentecost. My passion is not waiting for a position. My passion is not waiting for status. My passion is not making sure that I get some credit. But I want to be there for the moving of God's spirit. I want to be there for the revival. I want to be there for what God has intended to happen. got to keep watering we've got to keep planting in the middle of confusion in the middle of hurts let me talk to some people tonight you may be struggling because you're working in a certain department of the church and you don't see results like you'd hoped you'd see working in Sunday school making crazy stuff out of construction paper and burning your finger with super glue getting paper cuts spilling nice paint on new shoes all kinds of stuff happening and you look at your Sunday school classroom sometimes and you wonder is God ever going to bring anything out of this is God ever going to let there be a reward for my effort and for my sacrifice am I ever going to see like Noah as I'm working for the Lord am I ever going to see the day that it all pays off am I ever going to see the rain begin to fall am I ever going to see the place when I look back and say oh wow look at all that I've accomplished look at my success look at everything that I've done through my ministry you've got to keep watering and keep planting because if you water and plant the seed, it's going to grow up and become a tree. I'm here today because of a church that stayed faithful. When I first came, you can ask Brother Nate. Brother Nate asked me one time. I was like 12 years old. He said, Brother, I'd like to have you testify tonight about everything God's done in your life. Brother Nate can, can agree with this. I got up before the youth group. He handed me the microphone. I put the microphone in my mouth. And I said absolutely nothing. I was so nervous. I was so shy. I was so unsure of myself. I didn't even say a word. He came up around me and put his arm around me. And he told the story for me because I wasn't whatever enough to say some things on my own. I came to this church broken. I came to this church without hope. I came to this church from the foster system, from a group home in 2006. But you know what? There were some people here that were faithful and well-doing. There were some Sunday school teachers that prepared a Sunday school lesson every Sunday for me. There were some people that gave so that I could be there for camp. There were some people that sacrificed to make sure that I had a ride for church. There were some people that stayed faithful in the middle of it all. And today I'm here because of the faithfulness of a church that prayed and stayed consistent and stayed faithful. Zechariah heard that Jesus was coming. And Zechariah went to see where he was, but the Bible says he was of short stature. Meaning within himself he had no ability to get to where Jesus was. 
But he looked up and he saw a tree. And the tree began a, became a pathway for him to get up there and to see the Lord. And when the Lord saw him, he said, make haste and come down. For today I will abide at thy house. We see the tree that stood there that day. But we don't know whoever planted that tree. Whoever watered that tree. Whoever made sure that that tree was standing. In the middle of the winter when all the leaves would fall off. There was a tree that held on. There was a tree that continued to stay alive. There was a tree that wasn't cut down because of inconvenience. There was people when I was growing up that drove buses to conferences. And I got to ride on those buses. You may have not been an altar worker for any of those conferences. You may have not been a preacher for any of those conferences. But just the fact that you made a sacrifice to drive the bus, what were you doing? You were sowing seed. And there was a tree for a young man to get up on and say, I can see Jesus from this place. I was able to go to Pete Conference when I didn't have any church clothes. Because there's people that sacrificed and helped me and stepped in for me. What is my message today as we all stand? <laughs> you may not see the rewards right now. You may not see everything you want to see in your ministry. But I want to tell you today as I stand before you and you see me preach this revival. This is not a testament of Bryce Cosme. This is not a testament of my abilities. This is not a testament of my anointing. But this is a testament of a church that was able to help me. A church that was here. A church that didn't give up. A church that preached baptism in Jesus' name. A church that preached you can receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I, I received the Holy Ghost when Brother Solomon came from Ethiopia and he prayed for me. And my mom came to service that night. I received the Holy Ghost that night. Why? Because there was a church that believed in missions. There was a church that believed in going forward with revival. There was a church that believed in supporting the things of God. There was a tree there. I wonder if we can pray for just a few more seconds. I'm praying today for somebody that feels like giving up. Somebody that feels like backsliding. Somebody that feels like your effort is not worth it. Feels like your prayers are not worth it. Come on, people that show up for song practice. People that show up for choir practice. People that show up for music practice. And you say, man, do I really have to go? I, I'd really like to stay home. I'd really like to do other things. Uh, do we really have to have two services on a Sunday? Do we really have to be this faithful? Do we really have to be committed? Do we really have to be this worried? We have to go to church this many times. We have to be there for prayer. You may not understand it right now, but the trees that grow tomorrow will be from the seeds that we planted today I'm here today because there were some people that were planting some seeds and watering some seeds and staying faithful to the ministry I say to this church tonight thank you for the tree thank you for praying for me when I went through my brain tumor and I went through brain surgery I got an envelope it said Bryce Cosme on it and I opened up the envelope every day of the month there was someone from the women's ministry that would be praying and fasting for me as I approached a brain surgery 
as I approached the darkest times in my life, there was a church that said, here's a tree to support you. Here's a tree. We're behind you. We're going to help you. We'll be with you. There's people that came and visited me in the hospital. Come on. There's people that picked me up from group homes. There's people that picked me up from foster homes. There's people that made sure that I would be there. There were people that stayed connected to me. There was people that reached out to me. There was people that helped me and prayed for me. I'm here today because of a tree. You don't realize it, Sunday school teacher, but those kids are looking for a tree. Those kids are looking for a way to see Jesus. Those kids are looking for a way out of this world, a world of confusion, a world of addiction, a world of brokenness, a world of perversion, and they're looking for a tree. They're looking for love. They're looking for peace. You may only have them for an hour on Sunday, but you don't realize those moments will impact them for the rest of their life. The first time I ever came to church was not when I was in a group home. The first time I ever came to church was when I was in second grade, and I came to Sunday school here one time. One time in second grade, I came to Sunday school. I don't know who was in your Sunday school class today, but I wonder how you would prepare if you had a vision that said, I don't know who's among these young people. I don't know who's here today, but one of them, a few years down the road, may be preaching a revival in the summer. I don't know who I'm supporting when I give this money for people to go to peak and I support Bible quizzing and I support young people. I don't know, even know how it's all going to work. But let me tell you, as you give to God, he's going to bring it back to you. And as you've given to me, I stand here today as a testimony of the faithfulness of God's people. Thank you for the tree. Isaiah 40 and 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Is there anybody that's weary in the middle of what you're doing? You're burnt out. You're stressed out. I want to let you know tonight this altar call is for faithful people that need to recommit themselves to the Lord and say, God, I'm holding on because I know a breakthrough is coming. I know an answer to prayer is coming to people that make sacrifice, people that go through a lot of struggles just to be in church, people that go through a lot of struggles to make sure Sunday school is as they want it to be, people that make sure that the youth are prayed for and make sure that the youth are staying encouraged. I want you to know your effort are not in vain, but it's coming back to you tonight as you look at me. I wonder if we can pray for somebody tonight that needs a renewal in the Holy Ghost. You need a renewal in your strength. You're working in the field. You're trying to do something for God. You're wondering when it's all going to happen. You're wondering when God's going to bless you. You're wondering when God's going to answer your prayers. Stay faithful. Keep going forward. Don't give up. You may not get the position. You may not get the title. You may not get the credit. You may not get the recognition. But one day you're going to get a word that says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not only that, but you know what I can only imagine? That as you stand before the throne of the mercy and the grace of God and you look up and you see him, 
there's going to be somebody that comes up behind you says brother austin you prayed me through the baptism of the holy ghost during sunday school at a holy ghost sunday brother payton you were my youth leader brother andreas you were my seventh and eighth grade sunday school teacher brother randy newton you drove the bus and i went to camp there's some people here that people are going to come up to you and say thank you for your sacrifice thank you for giving to the lord thank you for sticking to it thank you for your faithfulness thank you for not giving up there's people today that are going to be in heaven because of your faithfulness and because of your commitment to the things of god oh let's pray right now for somebody that's feeling weary in well-doing Come on, church, let's lift up our voices all across this house. Oh, God, would you bless the efforts of your people? Lord, tonight I pray for a spirit of renewal across this house, a spirit of refreshing for those that are weary, those that are worn out and tired and broke down and feel like giving up, feel like backsliding. I pray that you would renew their strength. I pray that you would give them a new anointing. I pray, oh Lord, that you would confirm your word to them tonight, that if they hold on, there's a day coming when everything they've sown is going to come back as a tree that somebody else can climb up and somebody else can see the Lord. There's generations down the road that are going to be in church because of your sacrifice, because of your commitment, because of your faithfulness, because of your resilience, because of your refusal to turn away from the things of God. Come on, somebody. Let's press through into the presence of God tonight. Come on. We don't know who's in this house tonight. We don't know who just said they're giving up on Sunday school. We don't know who just said they'll never be back for music practice. We don't know who's planning on turning away from God altogether. I want you to know to get back up and get back in the race. There's some people that are watching you. There's some people that are depending on you. Come on, somebody, let's pray. Let's pray tonight in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray for a spirit of renewal across this house. Come on, are you running weary tonight? Are you running tired tonight? If you are in the Sunday school department, if you are in the Sunday school department, I want you to come down to the front of this altar tonight. If you're in the Sunday school department, if you're in the youth department, if you're in the T-Rocket outreach department, I want you to come down to the front of this church. These people spend countless hours preparing for Sunday. And you know what? Sometimes they get discouraged. Sometimes they get worn out. Sometimes they feel like giving up. But I feel that tonight God is going to renew your strength. God is going to give you a passion. God is going to give you a new anointing. God is going to give you a fervor. God is going to give you revival in your ministry. I'm telling you right now, I proclaim it by the power of the Holy Ghost that there will be children that receive the Holy Ghost this year in Sunday school. There will be adults that come from their children coming from Sunday school and they will receive the Holy Ghost themselves. You don't see the reward yet, but let me tell you, there's a reward that's coming. There's a result that's coming. There's children that are going to say, thank you for not giving up. Thank you for the tree. Thank you for the tree. Thank you for the tree.